Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, good Tuesday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. The C Spire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge. With gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire Country. Check them out online at seaspire.com slash business. Thanks for being with us today. Let's just jump right in because we've got a really big story here in the state of Mississippi. It is a story that I don't think we expected at this time. But it's not the most surprising thing ever either. Earlier today, it was announced that Scott Berry, who we just visited with on this show yesterday, the head coach at Southern Miss, is stepping down. He is retiring at the end of the year after a career that has made him the winningest head coach in school history. 14 years as the head coach at Southern Miss, just the fourth head coach in the history of the program There has been remarkable stability in that Southern Miss baseball program, and Scott Berry announcing that he is is stepping down after the season comes to an end. He is retiring. And based on conversations that I've had, not shocked by that, but when you get the announcement with a week left in the regular season and you know that there's time left in this year, Maybe the surprise that the timing of it catches you off guard just a little bit. So, guys, Scott Barry is stepping down at Southern Miss. It's a brilliant move. He's going to win the national championship and not have to deal with all of the problems that evidently come after <laughs> winning a national championship. He's going to walk out on top, sell high. Great job. This this is a big story. Obviously, I mean, this is a. This is one of the top coaches in college baseball. He's been winning every. He's been winning at Southern Miss for a long, long time. He's built that. He took a program that was already really good, and I feel like he's taken them to another level. Uh, 
quite honestly, during his tenure there. Uh, and he set the next guy up for success, whoever that might be. I think we all have an idea of who that might be. But this, this is, you know, one of the legends of the game here in Mississippi. And, and, and uh, you know, we just talked to him. By the way, Coach, if you're listening, you could have just told us here on the show. We could have broken that news. We would have had a, a great viral clip. Help us out. We're in the content business. Yeah, I mean, it really would have been simple, right? I mean, yeah, Richard, it was a really good weekend for us at ULM, but there's something else I'd like to talk about, if you don't mind. But by the way... You guys know, wanted you to be the first to know, when this season comes to an end, I'm going to step down, I'm retiring, I'm going to go hunt and fish and be with my family and mow my grass and not have the stress of college baseball anymore. Yeah, I've heard there's... Something tells me that's exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. I'm not a big hunter, but I've heard there's some big bass down in the Pine Belt area, so uh, uh, best of luck catching those things, Coach. Scott Scott is a big hunter. Yeah. Uh, You and him talked to Turkey, what was it, last year? During one of those guest spots for like the entire time. It just had him on to talk baseball, and instead it was turkey hunting, but... Uh, and he doesn't really get the turkey hunt because it's in the spring and he's in the middle of baseball season. So I would imagine that that is something that he will be adding to his repertoire as well. That's bad news for the Pine Belt turkey population. Yeah, good luck. Although uh, close family and friends are going to have an influx of the availability of turkey in their freezers, I, I assume. But yes. yeah, I mean, is it fair to say that college baseball uh, got worse today, knowing that Scott Berry's not going to be with it much longer? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a way to couch it. Yeah, having people like him in the game is good for the game, and then there, there's one less. He's just a world-class guy and obviously a, a really good coach. Uh, hoping like crazy that he finds a way to get to Omaha this year. Uh, I'm just hoping oh, that that happens. I mean, that, what, what a send-off that that would be. Uh, getting his, his final hat tip being on the field at Omaha would just be, uh, would be something really special. So it's... Uh, it's a sad day, but anytime somebody leaves something special, right, you you can do two things. You can either mourn the departure or celebrate what happened, right? Yeah. What a career and a run in a model of stability for as long as he was there, well over a decade. It's, it's so impressive. The uh, Sun Belt's happy that he's gone. Conference <laughs> USA is happy that, that they left last year, but... Everybody else around the league is pretty pumped up that he's gone. Yeah. And and you mentioned the Sun Belt, and I agree. I mean, ushered Southern Miss into a new conference without missing a beat. And, and hey, Dad, you said a second ago, I mean, it feels like we know who the next coach is going to be. I, I mean, of course, right? All of us, we would be shocked, not surprised, absolutely shocked, if Christian Ostrander is not named, in pretty short order, the new head coach at Southern Miss. He has had opportunities to go be on staffs in other places and has stayed put because I think, you know, quietly he expected this day was coming and in the not-too-distant future. Guys, I, you know, I don't know if this is the right way to do it or not, but I have never been shy on here or, or anywhere about my admiration for, uh, for Scott Berry. I have frequently said, you, you guys know it, I, I feel fortunate to call him a friend. Uh, in addition to somebody that, that we get to work with and has always been incredibly generous with his time, um, he was the first of the, of, of the three coaches that we talked with, Mike Bianco, and I guess at the time it was, um, what was it? 
Who was the first coach at Mississippi State that we had on weekly? Did we kind of start that with Chris Lamonis, or did we do it the year before with, with John Cohen? Well, the year before would have been Gary Henderson. And John, John Cohen was on Andy this Anderson. show on a weekly basis, okay. if I remember correctly, yes. Well, uh, you know, nevertheless, but, but Scott was the first of the three coaches that I asked. Like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Would, would you be open to visiting every week? You know, come on. To, and, and he said, absolutely. You, you tell me what time and we'll make it work. And there were a lot of times where he stepped away from practice to uh, to visit with us on Mondays. And that always meant so much to me that he cared enough about promoting his program and thought enough of our show that he was willing to do that, not just when we asked, but put it on the calendar. It's happening every Monday, and and I think that's been really, really cool. But some of my favorite times are when I've had a chance to visit with him in his office in, in Hattiesburg. Um, you know, whether it's being down there for a, for a football game or we're doing a show in Hattiesburg or the year that I was there and got to do the, the regional that they hosted and there's a lot of rain that year. So there was some rain outs, and there was a lot of time at the ballpark. And I just got to spend some time with him in his office visiting and talking. And, uh, you know, we kind of stay in touch during the off season. Not a lot, but once or twice a year. And um, just really, really think a lot of Scott. And I couldn't be happier for him, right? I mean, if if he yeah. he's put in the time. He, he He's been at Southern Miss for 23 years. He was the head coach at Meridian Community College before that. He's 60 years old. He is of full retirement age. He's got a really good high four that his retirement's going to operate off of. And so retirement life is going to be really good for him. He's a guy that's frugal. And so financially, he's not going to have to worry about that piece of it going forward. If he wants to stay involved with baseball, there will be opportunities for him to do that from a consulting standpoint or from a scouting standpoint. Yeah. How, what, if that's what he wants, he can do it. And if he just wants to climb on his lawnmower and ride off into the sunset, he can do that too. But regardless, he has earned it, and he's earned it in the most admirable way possible. The baseballiest of baseball guys, I mean that as a compliment, he loves the game, he loves his players, they have always played hard for him. It's just a really... I get the piece where we say it's kind of a sad day for Southern Miss and for Southern Miss fans, but to me this is a really cool day for Scott, and it it's possible that his boss said, we're announcing this before the season is over. Because knowing Scott the way that we know him, he would have been very much okay with coaching this weekend, coaching the Sunbelt Tournament, coaching through the NCAA Tournament whenever it was coming to an end, and then when it ended, having Jack Duggan send out a press release that said he's done. Yeah. Scott would have been okay with that. I just wonder if Jeremy McClain said, no, we're going to announce this before the final regular season. You're going to get, at minimum, three more games at Pete Taylor Park when everybody knows this is the end so that you can get the due that you deserve from our fans before it comes to an end. And Jeff makes a really good point, especially in college sports. Even legendary coaches, so often it ends uncomfortably where they started losing or they were fired. I mean, you've seen it time and time again. Him getting to to end his career being as good as they are currently and as good as they have been the whole time, mm-hmm. it's rare in college sports. doesn't happen like this very often. You're right. John Elway was a ride-off-into-the-sunset guy. Yeah. 
That's the way to do it. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you right after this. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. other things on Scott Berry. The um, the one plus one equals two uh, that we were re- referencing with Christian Ostrander in the official press release from the University of Southern Miss, in the story on their website, there was a line where it said, a search for Berry's successor is already underway and that person should be named in the near future. <laughs> Okay. Hey, did just in case you were wondering, there was a nice, a, a, a sly little shot at uh, Ole Miss in there too. I think. Oh, was there? I, I think so. I mean, maybe you know how, how PR guys are. They when they make press releases, they they want to make their, their people look as good as possible. But uh, this line uh, about number of forty win seasons and thirty win seasons in a row. So Southern Miss right now uh, has more consecutive 40-win seasons, this is reading from the press release, than any other Division One program with six. And with Ole Miss and Florida State failing to reach 30 wins this spring, we'll have the most consecutive 30-win seasons hmm. in 21. I got a little chuckle out of that. I suppose facts are facts. Fa- facts are facts, buddy. They're not going to win 30 facts, games this yes. spring. That's, that, that is for sure, but... What a run that is, by the way. I mean, what a, what a stat. 21 consecutive 30 or more win seasons for Southern Miss baseball. Yeah. And that, really uh, that goes back to Corky Palmer. Yeah. Before him. Um, and nobody was... expects them to miss a beat, right? I saw all the, the baseball media today. They all said the same thing. Ostrander's going to be the next head coach at Southern Miss. And it's not like a... Sometimes when it's, oh, they're not going to miss a beat, they're going to be totally fine without this legendary coach, makes it feel like you're diminishing this legendary coach. No, that's not it. It's just they had somebody in in the hopper that is one of, if not the highest regarded pitching coaches in America, just happens to be down the hall. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, LSU wanted him bad last year, right? Yes. And and you you've seen what LSU's investing in baseball. He just happens to be down the hall, and nobody expects them to miss a beat, even though this legendary coach is uh, is moving on. That's impressive when you think about it that way. Going from Palmer to Barry and now to Ostrander, it's hard to to deny how unique that is. We can say it out loud. If you were someone who thought that Mississippi State should pursue Christian Ostrander as their pitching coach, you can scratch him off the list in all in all likelihood in this situation. Yeah, yeah. cross him off then. Look, I mean, in in, in modern day baseball, at, at Southern Miss, there have been four four coaches: Pete Taylor from 1959 to 1983, Hill Denson from 1984 to 1997, Corky Palmer from 98 to 09, and Scott Berry from 10. Until today, I, I do not. You're going to have to forgive me, and, and if you're a Southern Miss fan listening right now, you can you can help me on this. 
I don't know if Hill Denson played for Pete Taylor and if Corky Palmer played for Hill Denson. I do uh, I'm sorry, not played for, coached under. I do know that Scott Berry was on Corky Palmer's staff, and that was a seamless transition when Corky Palmer handed the reins of the program to Scott Berry, and it feels like this will be an equally seamless transition. And the players are, will be great with it, right? I mean, you know, that's that's something. There's change. That doesn't mean that Southern Miss won't lose somebody in the portal, but heck, they would have lost somebody in the portal anyway. We're in a lose somebody in the portal era. There's nothing you can do to avoid losing somebody to the portal. There's nothing I mean, you can do. Southern Miss lost their second-best pitcher off of last team to the portal. Hurston Waldrop's pitching in Gainesville. Yeah. Tanner Hall's going to be getting paid professionally to pitch next year. but Yeah. yeah. Well, and so is Waldrop. Yeah. All right. Uh, as part of this, there was a, uh, a letter to Southern Miss fans from, uh, from Scott Berry. He writes, to the Southern Miss faithful, I could coach baseball forever. However, life continues to remind me that our time is precious. For the past 23 years, it has been my honor to work at the University of Southern Mississippi. The 2023 baseball season will be my final season as head coach. Our program has a solid foundation for this transition in leadership. I mean, even he calls it that. Uh, I am sincerely grateful and humbled (laughs) by your support for me in this program. Throughout my career, I've recognized that no one can do anything alone. I'm grateful to all the staff, players, coaches, and administrators for everything they have done to build our program. I want to thank my family publicly. Laura, Catherine Grace, Garen, and my wife Macy have sacrificed and arranged their schedules for mine. When my daughter was little, I was working on the baseball field, and she asked me if this was my garden. Over the years... I have often reflected on her profound, innocent observation of my coaching career. Yes, Pete Taylor Park, Hill Denson Field has been my garden. Hopefully you will agree. We have grown and tended to many young lives and have thoroughly enjoyed a game that is truly America's and Southern Miss to the top's favorite pastime. Every walk has an end, and each step makes a memory. Thank you, God, for everything. I will hold your word in my heart. Thank you, Southern Miss faithful. It has been a blessing to me to serve as your baseball coach. Wow. It's about as good as it gets right there, boys. Yeah, there are some cookie-cutter goodbye statements from coaches, and then there's that. There's a good one, yeah. Somebody just made a really good point on the text line. We just said Southern Miss has had four uh, coaches ever. State's had four in the last eight years. <laughs> Yeah. Remarkable consistency. So, what are the coaches pre-Pete Taylor that are listed as head coaches? Is that when they, was that pre-Division One? Because they list a coach for like 1913 and 25 to 28. It must be pre-Division yeah, One. I mean, Reed Green. Pre-NCAA even. Were they like yeah, maybe NAI, so. NAI or something? Could, could very well be the uh, the case. Reed Green coached the baseball team to a nine and four record in 1947, and they named the basketball gym for him. <laughs> could you imagine if we still did today what they used to do back then, where the football Take, coach would coach basketball? <laughs> or, or I mean, they or just baseball. like they needed to get the pay up for an assistant football coach, they'd have him go coach baseball or basketball. Yeah. 
Let's very get, much the high school ball. Do you know? I think Duty Noble coached three sports here. Let's get Pete Golding in the dugout and see what happens. Hmm. <laughs> Would Nick Saban have been a more successful baseball coach at Alabama than Brad Bohannon? He sure wouldn't have bet on his team yes. to lose. Allegedly. He would have been. He's 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 so so smart and so detail oriented. I think it actually would lend itself to baseball. To be honest with you, he would have recruited well and he would have hired good people to mm-hmm. handle the. Yeah. Yes. It would have. It would have worked out. It would have worked yeah. out. Uh, Mike in Oxford tells us that yes, Co- uh, Corky did coach for Hill Denson. Yeah. Somebody. Folks are saying, don't forget Hill Denson. I, I didn't, did I? It was no. Pete Taylor, and then Hill Denson, and then Corky Palmer, and then Scott Barry. I'm pretty sure when I outlined the four coaches, I mentioned that. Um, remarkable stuff. Yeah, but but don't forget him. I haven't forgotten him. His Very name good. is on the wall in the making outfield, sure. I believe. Making, making yeah, sure. so, so it was pre-Division one. Those other guys that that coached at Southern Miss. So since the move to Division One, four coaches in the history of the program, and they've all been good too. I mean, all been really good. Pete Taylor won three hundred twenty games. Hill Denson won four hundred sixty eight games. Corky Palmer won four hundred fifty eight games, and then Scott Barry won four hundred eighty two and is going to retire as the all-time winningest coach in program history. It's great stuff. Just outstanding. Something I was thinking about, by the way, it's about Southern Miss baseball, kind of a non-sequitur. We're talking pitchers, Tanner Hall, all that. So they were in this conference USA last year, Mm -hmm. in the Sun Belt this year. Sun Belt, objectively, a better conference by basically every measure, right? So more difficult competition. His numbers are basically identical to a year ago. And also this offseason, they didn't just join a better conference, but the pitch clock changed and the strike zone shrunk. And walks and home runs and stuff are up everywhere. And his numbers are the exact same. He's just good, man. <laughs> just, just just a stud. but he's just He's just really good. And he's not like blow you away with the 97 mile an hour fastball guy. It's location, pitching, and mixing pitches and doing uh, all the little things well on the mound. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back in the Pearl River Resort Studios after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi.
got the uh, NBA draft lottery coming up tonight. And I know we don't talk a lot of NBA, but this merits just a touch of discussion. Because if you listen to people that do talk about, and more importantly, people that either have played in the NBA or who have covered the NBA, what is going to happen tonight is going to change a franchise. There are people, and I know sometimes we are prone to overselling a player that is unproven, but there are people that are saying that this is either the most significant draft lottery ping-pong ball extravaganza ever or the second most significant ever because of Victor Wimbanyama. He is 7'3", and does everything. He dribbles well, he passes well, he shoots it well from the perimeter, he's a pick-and-pop guy, he can put his head down and go to the rim, he can play above the rim, he's a great rebounder, not a good rebounder, but a great rebounder on both ends of the floor. And there are people that are saying he is more ready for the NBA when he steps on the floor than LeBron James was when he stepped on the floor coming out of high school. And he's a touch older with with international experience, which LeBron James did not have. He might even be taller than than 7'3". I just sent you a DM with a picture of him standing next to Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, the seven foot one center for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who famously touched all the microphones. And anyway, yeah. look at this picture. Let's see. I got to pull it up. He's he's big kid. He he is taller, if observantly taller than Rudy Gobert. Yeah. If this if this kid had been born in Chicago instead of France the hype for him would be higher than it was for LeBron James, was that, I guess, 20 years ago now. Because we would have known about him for the last five, six years. Five, six years. Right. We would have started hearing about this kid in seventh, eighth grade, like there's this kid in Chicago or anywhere here in America. But, yes, this is this is the guy that, you know, he is the most can't-miss guy since the last most can't-miss guy was LeBron James. And, and by the way, when you get these can't-miss guys – they tend to not miss. Now, there are exceptions, right? There are number one picks that don't play out. Maybe the two most famous, Sam Bowie and, and Greg Oden. Michael Jordan didn't go number one. Sam Bowie did. Kobe Bryant didn't go number one. And boy, did he make people pay for that. Do you know, by the way, who wanted him at number one but was talked out of it? That would be John Calipari, head coach of the New Jersey Nets. And his front office would not allow him to take Kobe Bryant. They wouldn't take Kobe Bryant at that pick. Now, there is is some thought that Kobe would have held out and wouldn't have gone to New Jersey, but they have famously joked about that since, and Kobe told Cal that he's like, you guys have drafted me, you might still be coaching in the NBA. He's not wrong. Hmm. He's not wrong. Or, or happily retired. 
But, yeah, you said it. This kid's unbelievable. When you you watch videos of him playing, I watched one of his games because it was nationally televised. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) It it doesn't make sense. That's a great way to put it. Being as tall as he is, 7'3", 7'4", whatever, he's obviously the tallest guy on every floor he'll ever play on. His wingspan, I think, is 8'2". Isn't that what his wingspan is? 8'2"? Something like that, yeah. And... But he can dribble, and it's completely under control. Being that tall and having the handles that he does doesn't make sense. And when he shoots from the outside, he jumps forward in a way where he's and like he releases the ball from the free throw line, basically, and it's a three. The the only downside to him is guys that are that tall and that long tend to have nagging small injuries, and he's yeah. quite skinny. But so you're you're not old enough to remember that when you used to play the NBA games, like NBA Live, you could create a player and you could just make it all of your attributes 99. You didn't have to earn it. You could just make a superstar player to start the game. Yeah. That's what this kid is. It's like you would take a guy like, all right, I'm going to make him foot six, but he shoots threes like Larry Bird and he can dribble and, and all that. That's what this guy is. He is a create a player from like NBA Live 98. Yeah. And he'll get slapped in Detroit or Portland, but um, uh, no, the league's rigged. He's he's going to Chicago. Watch, he'll be a bull tonight. All right, um, so here. Well, the are, NHL already rigged it for Chicago. Is the NBA going to do the same? Here are the odds. envelope. Um, so the way it works, uh, fourteen ping pong balls go into a hopper. The numbers of the first four balls to pop out are matched to a combination assigned. To a team, that team wins the number one pick. The Houston Rockets, San Antonio Spurs, and Detroit Pistons all have the best chance of landing Wimbanyama at 14%, 7-1. The odds decrease as it goes down the line in uh, other lottery hopefuls. Charlotte has a 12.5% chance, Portland 105 Orlando 9%, Indiana 68 Washington 6.7, Utah 4.5, Dallas 3%, Chicago 1.8%, Oklahoma City 1.7%, Toronto 1%, and New Orleans has a 0.5% chance of landing Victor Wimbanyama. So you're telling me there's a chance. I, I'm curious to see. I've already used that line once today already. <laughs> nice. Uh, the, the Spurs have been quite bad lately. I, I'm confused. As to what their front office has done with their roster, they're just getting rid of everybody. But Greg Popovich with him, I think, would be fascinating. I mean, it's a more skilled, more athletic, more talented Tim Duncan. And we saw what Greg Popovich did yes. with Tim Duncan for a decade and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the question, do they have Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker in the wings also? I, that was part of the reason that, that Tim Duncan was so good. But the thing is, you can get that quickly. Uh, I, I say that. You can't get Ginobili and Parker quickly, but you can get a supporting cast that can help you win quickly but, when but, you've got a guy like him. And that's the thing. NBA players are attracted to stars. You, you have secondary stars that want to play with full-on alphas. It's the reason... LeBron's always had a great supporting cast. I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the best players on the planet. 
and he has been willing to move from team to team to try to be a part of a team that has other stars as opposed to having stars gravitate to him. Which I, I don't understand why he's done that. Because look at where it's gotten him. Brooklyn flamed out, got Monty. Monty got fired in Phoenix. I, I mean, just but sometimes staying put is worth it. Like if Portland, for Dame Lillard, I hope he goes to Portland. I hope they win tonight. Ooh. Because what a reward that would be for a guy that has done something that is counter to the culture of the NBA. Leave and ring chase. He stayed with Portland, stayed with Portland. They couldn't build rosters around him. They couldn't win enough. Stayed with Portland, and then he gets Victor for a final however many years he's got left. Yeah. Somebody corrected me and said Hakeem Olajuwon went one, Bowie went number two, then it was Jordan three. Thank you. Two teams, which, in fairness, the Olajuwon pick was really, really good, but he wasn't Michael Jordan. No, but the, the scout that said pick him, I hope, would have kept his job for a while. Yeah. Somebody said, would you compare him to Manute Bowl? That's Irish Tim. No. No. Uh-uh. Imagine if Steph Curry was seven foot three. That's what this guy is. I mean, hit him up on YouTube. Google him. Look at some highlights. You will you will not believe what you are seeing when you watch his, him play. It, his, it doesn't his make shooting sense. motion, his touch, his follow through, the the gracefulness, the effortness effortlessness of his release. It it does have a Steph Curry look to it. It's pure. And the French league is not the NBA. It might not even be the SEC. Maybe it is. But he, he was a, but it's, a teenager playing against grown men. That's what I was going to say. He's, he's playing grown men. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So that's uh, that's happening tonight. If you're an NBA fan, I'm sure you'll tune in. If you're not, you'll just read the headlines tomorrow. And whoever gets the number one pick, uh, there is no drama on what is going to happen on June 22nd when the draft rolls around. But they're going to have to give that stock answer because, of course, and whoever wins is going to have to... Well, you know, we're looking forward to bringing in a bunch of prospects on visits, and we haven't decided yet who we're going to pick. Tillman Will Fertitta Levis might has, go too in this draft, by the way. T- t- Tillman, who did, who might? Will Levis might go second in this draft. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Back in February, Houston owner Tillman Fertitta told a Houston television station, "Pray for Victor." Hey, we'll be back. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi. will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line to start the 4 o'clock hour of the show. We'll talk some college baseball with him, get his reaction to Mississippi State's win, series win in Baton Rouge last weekend. Take a look at the final weekend of SEC play, see what his best guess is on how it's all going to shake out. We'll also talk some uh, regional stuff. We'll get his reaction to uh, the announcement from Southern Miss that Scott Berry is retiring after the season as well. So all of those things coming up with Kendall Rogers. We're going to spend a lot of time later in the show talking college football as well. And I know, Brian Haydad, that 
conference realignment and teams moving around isn't necessarily your favorite topic, but I brought a book. I brought a book to read. Don't worry. Yeah, hold on now. This stuff's pretty interesting though. With the with the Pac-12, with the Big 12, with the dissension among the ranks of the members of the ACC, and then what it potentially could mean for the SEC. If you had seven teams break away from the ACC, they were somehow able to blow up this grant of rights thing, which most attorneys who are smarter than us think that's not doable, but there seem to be some attorneys that these schools are paying lots of money that think maybe there is a possibility. I I don't know. So you're saying there's a chance. Who would you want in the SEC? Of the ACC teams, who, who would you want? And my guess is, when, when we throw that question out to you guys on the C Spire text line, I think I know two of the teams that are going to be at the top of your theoretical wish list. And if they're the two teams that I think many of you will suggest, I'm going to tell you why I think that's not necessarily the route that this thing could potentially go. I'm not sure that the ACC is breaking up, though. They're throwing around all kinds of ideas in the ACC, like an imbalanced revenue distribution based on based on success on the field. If the people in the Big 12 were uh, to pull you to the side and have a quick conversation with you, they would tell you that that is the beginning of the end of your league. It will not be good for the conference. It just won't be. The Big 12 had an imbalanced revenue split model, and there was a level of resentment among other Big 12 teams toward Texas and Oklahoma that was almost incalculable. They didn't have a choice. Felt like the league would fall apart without them. They kind of got the last laugh, the remaining teams in the Big 12, because of the exit fee that Texas and Oklahoma are having to pay to leave, it's going to benefit the, those other teams in the Big 12 financially. But Texas and OU are going to be okay also. They, I don't know that they're necessarily sweating the uh, the big exit fee. It's nuts. And the, the implications behind it are, are pretty staggering. And, and the article that we'll reference from, from Ross, somebody says... The ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, the three of them can't exist anymore. That that one's going to go not, not Not all three of not them all can't three. exist, the, but the, the, the three. The three total of the non-SEC Big 10 conferences, that one's going away. At least one. My guess would be it's the Pac-12. Washington and Oregon join the Big 10. The other four join the Big 12. Stanford the and Cal appetite for Washington and Oregon in the Big Ten seems to be less than what it originally was. Well, because if you're the Big Ten, who would you prefer, Washington or North Carolina? Oh, it'd probably be North Carolina, but I don't think yeah. that's why the appetite is less. I think the appetite is less because they found out that ESPN wasn't necessarily willing to pay more money for the addition of those two teams on top of what they already had agreed to pay. When I say ESPN, I mean the combination of ESPN and Fox and NBC and CBS, too. 
I still think that this is the prime opportunity to break college football. I mean, you've already got college football away from the NCAA anyway. The NCAA does not crown the national champion in college football. They do at the FCS level and Division Two and Division Three, but the one that we care about, that's not them. They have no say in the format. They have no say on who makes it. They only enforce the their rules. So you've already got that model in place anyway. This yeah. should be the catalyst to take it a step further, multiple steps further. Embrace the, Use the chaos against them. Offer stability and change the sport for the good, for the better, forever. That's what they should do here. But we'll get into that later. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. One hour in the books on this Tuesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Kendall Rogers will join us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line coming up next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks, as always, for being with us. To learn all about Pearl River Resort, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. You can always hit us up on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Kendall Rogers joins us for his weekly visit on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall, let's start with the uh, the biggest news of the day here in the Magnolia State. Scott Berry announcing yeah. his retirement at the end of the season. It feels like the easy transition is to uh, Christian Ostrander. I know that's not official yet, but before we talk about who's next, I mean, you talk about an ambassador for the game, a great coach, the winningest in Southern Miss history, uh, remarkable consistency, and just an all-around good guy in Scott Berry. No, there's no doubt. I mean, Scott, Scott is salt of the earth. I mean, he's one of the best guys we'll meet uh, in this sport. And I think when you look at what he's done at Southern Miss over the last few years, uh, you, you are right. I think you used the right word, remarkable. You know, just kind of crunching numbers. I mean, if you look at what they've done over the last six years, six straight postseason appearances, six straight seasons, winning 40 games or more uh, of those seasons, uh, two of them include 47 wins or more. Uh, that's incredibly impressive in modern college baseball. And so uh, I'm not very surprised that, you know, he's retiring. I, I think anybody who's talked to Scott over the last couple of years probably saw the writing on the wall that this is going to come down in the next year or two. Uh, but, uh, I mean, what a legacy he leaves behind. I mean, Corky Palmer was a legend in his own right. And uh, Scott not only kind of took the torch, but I would argue that Scott was even more consistent at a, at a kind of a higher level 
uh, and especially the last six years of Southern Miss. And, and Kendall, I think it's important to, to point out, and I, I want to be careful to say that this is not a knock at all. Um, Southern Miss has really good facilities. They have an incredible yep. fan base. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, top 15, top 10 in attendance on a year in, year out basis. But they don't have the same level of resources that so many of the schools around them in the SEC footprint have, and yet that consistency and that winning legacy has been steady, and it hasn't mattered what league they've been in. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when you look at Southern Miss is they, they've kind of instilled a culture. You know, you look at the you know you look at the Lynch brothers, you look at you know Gay Montenegro, the Montenegro brothers, and they they've just built this this niche to where. It almost kind of reminds me of, you know, and, and Southern Miss fans will get mad that I'm invoking this team on them. But like, it kind of reminds me of that stretch run that, you know, Louisiana Lafayette went on where they were like a top eight national seed. They had won like 45 to 50 games, like three out of four years. It almost kind of reminds me of that run where, they, where Southern Miss has kind of created this culture in this program to where, you know, they can't get a guy like Slade Wilkes to go to to Southern Miss over some of the bigger schools in the SEC. They may not get a lot of those guys, but but they have enough tradition. They have enough fan support. They have good enough facilities to where they can beat some of those teams out. And, oh, by the way, uh, the other kids that are going to Southern Miss, a lot of those kids have a chip on their shoulder. And guess what? It's not like they're, you know, incredibly less talented than some of those other kids. So I just think it all boils down to culture. I mean, they've clearly created a winning culture it's a culture where the fan base, I feel like, uh, demands that they win, and, and not in a negative way. I think it, I think it, 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 it helps them create, uh, you know, that expectation within the program. So it's been really cool to see. And, and frankly, like this is what makes makes for me college baseball special uh, that you can have Southern Miss be a consistent, you know, top twenty five team in college baseball. You can have Coastal Carolina be a consistent top 25 team in baseball, win a national championship. Uh, that's what's special about the sport, and uh, Southern Miss is a big part of it. You mentioned Lafayette just uh, a second ago. That's who the Golden Eagles will play this weekend. Yeah. They got the sweep of ULM, which they just had to do last week from from an RPI standpoint. Uh, they've got a, a better ball club coming in. It's a Louisiana team that's been playing well. They got a sweep last weekend. And so the natural question is something that we talked about with you last week. The possibility of hosting. Have they got to get all three this weekend and then make a deep run? Is it just win the series this weekend? What, what do you think Southern Miss has got to do to be one of those 16 teams that's playing at home in three weeks? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think right now, so the RPF sitting at 27, they've actually got pretty good metrics across the board. Um, you know, they sweat Dallas Baptist. I, I think if Southern Miss can win that series and win a few games in the conference tournament, and let's just say two or three in their RPI, is inside the top 25 because really you want your RPI to be inside the top 25 to have a shot. I think if they can do that, uh, I think they're probably hosting. So, I mean, you know, Southern Miss is one of very few teams right now that I feel like they do control their own destiny. Like if they take care of their business, let's say they win this series, they win three or four games in the conference tournament, even if they fall just short, I think if they do those two things, they're hosting. So the, the, the pathway is there. Got to take care of business, though. Got to go win a bunch of ball games over the uh, next two weeks if they, they want to get that done. Mississippi State went to Baton Rouge last weekend, yeah. and they won the series. They uh, they, they threw off in, uh, in the first game and just kind of took their medicine, and that's what's happened two weeks in a row. But then Cade Smith was good. They come from behind. They win the slugfest on, on Sunday, and they get the series win. 
to me, the larger story, and I know I'm sitting here in Mississippi, mm-hmm. is not Mississippi State winning that series. That That's great. And you, you feel good for Chris Lamonis, and you feel good for the Mississippi State fans in a year where a lot of things haven't gone their way. That That's good. To me, the yeah. bigger story is, and I'm not sure this LSU team is built to win a national championship, despite their ability to mash it, despite what Skeens brings in, in game one. I don't know if they can win at all with their bullpen in the shape it's in. No, you're right. I mean, I think if LSU is one of the most vulnerable teams when it comes to the regional round because, you know, if I'm Jay Johnson, I'm not sure I trust anybody at this point to pitch that first game and just assure that I'm going to win the game. Because, I mean, for all you know, you get matched up with some team that's throwing some little thumbing lefty up there that you don't, you don't, you don't see his style very often. You know, he's, let's say he only gets a four or five runs against your offense. Well, I mean, has, has anybody outside of Paul Skeens and, L- and LSU's pitching staff made you think that they can't give up more than four or five runs? So, I mean, I, I think it almost forces you to throw Skeens in the first game. And I'll tell you what. That, I don't think you can do fans, it, though. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough call. But those fans are going to be a nervous wreck the rest of the weekend in a regional. And guess who else might be a nervous wreck? That entire team. So, uh, I, I think they have a tougher time winning a regional than they did winning a super. I think, I think in a super, I feel like LSU can probably just throw the kitchen sink at somebody and get enough outs. But in a regional, you can't just throw the kitchen sink every single game and go, okay, this is a, this is a great formula. Let's just throw everybody every game. You just can't do that. Kentucky stays at number one in the RPI. They've got the number two strength of schedule. They salvaged yeah. a game last weekend against Tennessee. What have the Cats got to do to stay in and be a top eight? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it kind of starts with just taking care of business this weekend. I think if they win that that you know uh, Florida series at home, I think they're in pretty good shape. Their conference record would be within range. The RPI obviously is very, very good. They would stay at one with that series win. So I think it kind of boils down to that and what they do in Hoover. I think if they win the Florida series, I think they're a top eight. Okay. Like I don't, I don't think there's very much doubt on that one. Um, if they lose the Florida series, then they'll have some work to do in Hoover. How concerned are you with Vanderbilt right now? Because they are going in the wrong direction, despite the fact that they're still sitting there at number seven in the RPI. I'm very concerned. I mean, I think if you look at those guys from a pitching standpoint, they're just you know, number one, they're inconsistent, but number two, they're banged up. I mean, like one week. Carter Holton banged up, and he's back the next week, and then he gets, you know, ripped a little bit. Uh, the next week, uh, you know, Hunter Owen is out. The next week he's back, and then he gets hit hard. I mean, it's just a kind of a revolving door on the mound. And, you know, when they get stuck, you know, throwing Grayson Carter uh, in the series finale against Florida, I mean, that that, that rings kind of warning, warning bells to me just because, like, he's talented. He throws hard, but it's not exactly the arm you want going against Florida in, in a game three. So, uh, I have major concerns about it, and that's one of the big reasons, along with South Carolina and with injuries, why we dropped them in the team. I just think they're a much different team right now than they were, let's say, four weeks ago. Kendall, it's hard to believe that we're saying this, but Alabama-Missouri is arguably the biggest series this weekend. Missouri's got to win <laughs> yeah. at least one run, uh, win one to guarantee a spot in the yep. uh, in the SEC tournament. They've got to get one. With a sweep... Auburn could potentially play themselves into a host spot if they go and they win a couple of games in Hoover. They could. I mean, Auburn is one of those teams that has a lot of helium right now. I mean, they're fourteen and thirteen. Um, you know, they they take care of business in that series this weekend, and they play well in Hoover. 
they're probably hosting. I mean, guess guess, guess who their uh, the committee chair is? Uh, Auburn Athletic Director John Cohen. Uh, just put that in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alabama is the other really interesting team to me. I think if you look at Alabama, you know this is a club that I actually really liked them last week. I saw them up at A and M. You know they didn't play great on Friday, but they looked really good the rest of the weekend. Uh, and you know they're one game back of Auburn in the standings. Um, they're actually ahead of Auburn in RPI. They're eleven in the RPI. And they had to head to head over Auburn. Yeah. So I think if, if if Alabama takes care of business against Ole Miss this weekend, I think they actually go into Hoover in a little bit better position than Auburn, which is pretty incredible if they host a regional after everything they've been through. That would be pretty cool, actually. Kendall, you got time to hang through the break, or you need a jet? Sure, man. All right, we'll keep talking college baseball with Kendall Rogers on the Farm Bureau guest line on the other side of this quick timeout. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Kendall Rogers, good enough to hang with us for another segment as we talk college baseball on this Tuesday afternoon. So right now, Mississippi State outside looking in in terms of the SEC tournament. Ole Miss has been mathematically eliminated. Mississippi State's got a chance, but they've got to have help. Who's going to be the final team in Hoover at the SEC tournament? Well, I mean, right now... Just pretty much down to two teams, right? I mean, you look at the standings. I'm just kind of pulling them up here. Yeah, you, you got Missouri the at ten and seventeen, Georgia at ten and seventeen, Mississippi State at eight and nineteen. Uh, I'll go with Georgia. Okay. I think Georgia. I think Missouri gets swept this weekend. I think Georgia wins one against LSU. You you think Missouri loses all three? To Auburn this weekend? Yeah, man, Auburn's playing really well. They're playing really, really well. Even as hot as Missouri's been and what Luke Mann's doing? Yeah, I'll go with an Auburn sweep, which means Auburn will get swept. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does Mississippi State do with A&M? Because that's an A&M team that has struggled. I saw you tweeted about that, uh, I guess it was last yeah. weekend as well. Um, but it's also an A&M team that's desperate. Right, they they badly need to win a couple of games in Starkville this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Aiden's one of those teams that like, but you might as well just flip a coin to see who you know which Aggie team shows up. I mean, I saw them two weeks ago against Florida. You know, they shut Florida's offense down for the most part. Two of the three games that weekend that they won that series over the Gators, uh, they did the same. They took a series on the road from Kentucky. But then last week against Alabama, they get outscored 23-1 to after winning the first game of the series. So the question is, like, okay, is the Alabama a team going to show up in Starkville, or is it going to be the Florida A&M team? And so that, that is really kind of the storyline of the series. And I think, you know, the other thing with Mississippi State is, you know, I mean, they're, they're playing with no pressure. Like, their chances of making that to determine are extremely slim. They go into the weekend playing with house money. I think if you're A&M, that's a really difficult team to go against because they have nothing to lose. And they're coming off a series win 
over the number, you know, then the number two team in the country. So, uh, you know, I, I like A&M in this series, but they're going to have to scratch and claw to win this thing. I think, I think State's going to be, you know, pretty, be pretty rejuvenated this weekend uh, after what happened in Baton Rouge. Kendall, Dave Van Horn has had so much success at Arkansas yeah. that I feel like this would be a big statement. But I'm wondering if it's accurate. Is this the best coaching job that Dave Van Horn has done in a regular season in his entire tenure at Arkansas? I think it is. You know, I had this discussion with Chris Childers and Rick Neuheisel on the series this morning, and the one thing that I was talking to Rick about, like, imagine losing your best receiver, losing your best running back, and losing your quarterback, which would be Jackson Wiggins or Friday guy. Mm-hmm. You know, would you could you have a number two team in the country in college football? Absolutely not, right? Well, baseball's a different sport. I know that, but Arkansas lost its Friday guy. They lost. Uh, they've lost two key relievers. They lost Brady Tiger for half the year. He's finally back. And then you look at those guys offensively. They were without Kevin Josenberger and Jared Wagner for what four, three or four weeks, and they didn't lose a series during that time. Um, that's incredible. And so, again, kind of like what we're talking about with Southern Miss and Scott Berry, I think the biggest thing with Arkansas is there are programs around the country that I feel like preach about culture and preach about culture and preach a little bit more about culture. Arkansas does not preach about culture. They just live that culture. They don't talk about anything. But every single season, it is truly a next man up mentality. And even this year, when you look at their, their bullpen, uh, like Gage Wood was a guy that was up to like 97 in the fall, was expected to be a very little used arm, a little raw. Well, all of a sudden, like he turned into some stud shutdown reliever. And so that's just the way Arkansas rolls, man. Like, you know, they lose three or four guys, and there's just somebody there to step up. And it just says a lot about the culture. And to me, it just says a lot about the patience those kids have because, you know, this, this portal age, It'd be easy for some of these guys like Gage Wood to go, you know, at, you know, I'm out of the fall. They're, they're not expecting me to be a frontline guy. You know what? I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm, I threw 97. I can go play somewhere else now. Yeah. And their kids, for the most part, don't really do that. And that says a lot about them. Yeah. And they've been kind of selective in the transfer portal, but they've gotten some big impact players over the, uh, oh, yeah. the last couple of years uh, through through that mode of recruiting as as well. Um off the field, Mississippi State got to fill a pitching coach role. There's been some question about the the future of Chris Lamonis. I feel like that conversation yeah. has quieted a bit after uh, after what they did. Not that one weekend should make a difference one way or the other. What's your gut on this? Chris Lamonis back at Mississippi State, and if so, what route do you think they go for a pitching coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean. I would say he's back for another year. Especially, I mean, I think if they win that series this weekend, I think you're going, oh, okay. Like, you know, they play well. They played well the last two weekends. Like, yeah, guess what, Chris? Like, this season was unacceptable. But maybe this gives you a little springboard going in next season. I think the biggest thing for me is, is had State just played – or, like, had State just threw in the towel, thrown in the towel, mm-hmm. so to speak, these last couple of weeks, I think you look at it a little differently. But this is a team that's not throwing in the towel. Like, they played their, their tails off over the weekend at LSU. They're probably going to play their tails off this weekend. And, again, I, I kind of go back to the dismissal of Scott Foxhall. Like, I don't think you're getting rid of your pitching coach and then four weeks later or three weeks later firing your head coach. Like, 
to me, that just sends, that just sends very odd signals. I will say though, again, I, I'm kind of reiterating this, but like the caveat for me is, you know, Zach Selvin still has, still has not made a splash hire, has not made a hire at all, unless there's a sport I'm not aware of, and there, there's an element of him wanting to kind of make his imprint on this school. And so, uh, you know, that's where I stand on that. I think on, on pitching coach, uh, there, there's part of me that, that wonders if, you know, this quick move by Southern Miss may have given us a glimpse into where they were looking for pitching coach. Like, I, I think Scott was done in the next two years regardless. Um, but, but maybe they felt like they might lose a guy like Ostrander to Mississippi State. And, you know, maybe they just said, you know what, like, hey, Scott, Scott's wanting to retire anyway. Let's just go ahead and announce it. Um, that, there's a part of me that might believe that after he was in the mix for the LSU job last year. Um, outside of that, I mean, they, they've got a lot of options. Uh, I, I think they could go across the country and find some pretty good options for pitching coach. In terms of actual, for sure, names, uh, it, it's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of info out there just yet on that. Last thing for you, uh, Kendall, you tweeted about the home run numbers this year. They are up about a quarter of a home run per game. Uh, it's remarkable how many long balls have been hit. <laughs> there have been people that have talked about the reasons why, the, the balls being wound tighter, the strike zone a little bit tighter because umpires being graded on track man. I've said I think the bats are hot this year. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think the reason is? I think mean, the balls are clearly juiced. I mean, if you look around the country and look at some of the exit velocities and, and some of the, the homers I've seen this year, just absolutely ridiculous. Like, balls being hit off the end of the bat, they just keep going. I saw one last week or two weekends ago, BT Rypel from uh, Florida against A&M. I mean, he hit a ball on, like, literally the hands almost, and the ball just kept going and going. And that, that to me, just tells me that I don't know whether it's the scenes, but the ball just has a ton of drag on it. Um, I do think strike zones play a part. I mean, if you look across the SEC this year, uh, strike zones have been astronomically small. Yep. Um, it's been crazy how small the strike zones have been in the SEC. I know it has not been the case in some other leagues, but the, the strike zones are very small in the SEC. So I think both of those things play a part. Kendall, great stuff, man. It's uh, going to be weird not being in Hoover uh, next week and uh, getting to see you there, but we will certainly talk soon. Appreciate your time. You got it, always. buddy. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Kendall. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. A lot of stuff there. Hey, Dad, do you, do you kind of co-sign on what he was saying about, uh, like, I, I don't really agree on the that's why Scott Berry retired, but in terms of, of Mississippi State, or I, I know I feel like I ask you this every day, but does it feel a little more like it's kind of settling into this is what the Bulldogs are going to be next year as well? Yeah, to me it does. Now, like I said, I he, what he he said is, is a good point, that Zach Selman might want to make a statement, might might want to just go ahead and, and, and put his stamp on the program. Very possible. But, and, I, and I'll be honest, after the Arkansas weekend, I thought, man, if they lose out, and that's what it looked like it was trending towards, it's going to be really hard to keep him at the end of a 13-game SEC losing streak, but last weekend, you know, and I, and I, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't, and we talked about it. I, I don't know that I agree with the idea of letting one series affect you, but it does feel like it's trending towards another year for Chris Mose. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back with you after this. 
Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. How about um, Pat McAfee, full-time to ESPN? How, how unhappy must he have been with something related to his deal with, was it FanDuel or DraftKings, one of those, one of those sites? He had, a, he had a four-year, $120 million contract with them. And he's walking away from it. And look, ESPN is not going, getting more money in the New Deal. ESPN is not paying Pat McAfee thirty million dollars a year. No. no, I don't know that. I mean, Stephen A. Smith makes nine, and he's their highest paid. Not counting Troy Aikman, right? Highest paid. On-air, on-air uh, yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe all of the production cost and all of the management and all of that was falling on Pat McAfee as well. But, I mean, obviously his role has grown with ESPN. This solidifies him, I would think, as a contributor to College Game Day. He'll keep doing the, the Saturday night show where they, you know, kind of, he's kind of gotten in with the Manning production stuff, right? And they do the, the Saturday night college football game watch-along show so I would think that that would continue. Does the show that he does, will that fit with an ESPN radio format, or is that going to be just online content? That See, that that's my question, because I like Pat a lot, and I'll pull his stream up sometimes while I'm working and just listen to it in the background. My fear is ESPN is going to be so restrictive that it's not going to be the same show. Uh, let's put it this way. Okay, they they added into the announcement, Borky. His show will air live weekdays simultaneously on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and on ESPN's YouTube channel. Okay, so at least they're not bound to the FCC or, or something like that. But yeah, something but ESPN's over the air cable. But the FCC doesn't regulate over the air cable. Yeah, I guess so. But still, I, well, I, my I fear is they're going to be. They don't. They do, you can say whatever you want. They on regulate ESPN. the f word. I don't you think can, that's. You correct. can say that on ESPN. Absolutely, you can. Yes, you can. Yep. I would be. I don't. They think choose right. not to, but you can. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's correct. But Borky, carry on. Because somebody would say it. You can. Um. Anyway. The FCC does not regulate broadcasts on pay TV platforms like cable, satellite, and streaming. No, the FCC does not regulate ESPN. It's a an editorial decision on their part to not do that. They, they choose not to use foul language like that because they have such right, a wide so, reach. So, so there was a story in the Indianapolis Star... Peyton Manning apologizing after Marshawn Lynch used some choice words on the Manning cast. 
And from the article, it says, while the F word is considered among the crudest of cuss words by some, it is allowed to be used on ESPN without penalty from the FCC. The FCC has no jurisdiction over basic cable content, only broadcast television and radio. No idea. I misspoke a second ago when I said over-the-air cable. It's two different things. Over-the-air is standard broadcast television. That's what you can get still with an antenna at your house. The ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, Fox, you know, whatever. So this is cable. So, okay. Either way, but I'm I'm concerned that the brand will restrict him too much. Because he's his show is kind of vulgar. You know they 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 let it fly. It's it's not as buttoned up. It's not Mike Greenberg in a sport coat with his bad takes. It's Pat McAfee in his his wife beater, and he's standing up and he's got a baseball bat in his hands, and and they're talking about things that you're just not used to on ESPN. If they let him be him, then it's great because that show without restriction. It's not for the kids, but it's good. It's a bunch of guys in a really nice studio with a basketball court sitting at a bar talking about sports and just let it fly. His, is that in his home? I think they have a warehouse in downtown Indianapolis. I, I wonder if they'll if they'll stay put there or if ESPN is going to, like, trick out a new studio for him. Who knows? Yeah, it's – I'll watch because I like him, but – yeah, I wouldn't say scarred's the right word, but when ESPN gave uh, the, the guys from Pardon My Take their own show and then because Samantha Ponder complained, they took it away from them, I'm concerned about the restriction on, on McAfee because Big Cat and PFT, are they, they have the number one sports podcast in the world. They are funny and they're actually smart and insightful, but God forbid they work at Barstool. And ESPN couldn't have that. Well, and the complaint was that Dave Portnoy had been misogynistic and degrading toward women, and that that was not what ESPN should represent. And then people found some old tweets where the complainer was also, anyway, sure. yeah. as is tradition. But it's the first ESPN studio program that I will choose to consume in quite some time. That's not Scott Van Pelt after midnight. So ESPN will announce the new weekday afternoon schedule before the show launches this fall. Sports Center will continue to be included. The network announced uh, Pat McAfee will continue in his analyst role on College Game Day and will host alternate broadcasts of ESPN's college football telecasts. Uh, it's he and AJ Hawk and Connor Campbell and Ty Schmidt and Tone Diggs and others. They started the uh, Pat McAfee show back in 2019. Um, Hawk so, is yeah. good. Maintain yeah. he has, like, if not the best linebacker name of all time, it's a top fiver. Here, here's what uh, McAfee said. We are extremely honored that ESPN is blessing us with this opportunity to be a part of the next chapter of the ESPN family. We do not take that lightly and are going to work hard to make sure this is a success. All parties involved agree the time has come for a bunch of sports stooges in a Thunderdome in Indiana to sprinkle in some fun and celebration of sport as well. It's a quote that says Pat McAfee's planning on doing his show the way he's done his show. 
Hope so. Good for him. You know what's crazy? I think that this says a lot about both people involved here. SVP's Midnight Sports Center is the highest rated studio show they do. Sure. So Midnight Eastern draws a better audience than 8 Eastern on ESPN. That should tell you a lot about the programming that they offer when Scott Van Pelt is not on the air. So who does FanDuel get now? Because they're not going to want to leave this 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 market space. Who can they get? I mean, there's not another Pat McAfee, but who can they get? Can they create another Pat McAfee? Is there another former athlete out there that could do that? I don't know. And and do they go after somebody at Barstool who has a following? I don't know the answer. Hmm. Well, that would be a uh, that would be a bit of a coup, considering that Barstool is sponsored by a rival sports betting company. That's true. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see. And you know, I mean, FanDuel basically built an advertising platform for themselves. That's what they did in in sponsoring the show and using Pat McAfee and his following to drive customers to their online gambling platform. And their daily fantasy platforms. I mean, that's what they did. Yeah. I guess they're just going to have to do what cost-benefit analysis and decide whether or not they want to invest those dollars elsewhere, or they're going to try to recreate what they had with him. Because you got to have some. I mean, that's the thing. Pat McAfee had a big following prior to the deal with Fanduel. He was a barstool. Oh, that's right. And and then like things got weird with contract negotiations or something, and and he left. Yeah. I don't know the details, obviously, because I wasn't in the room. But, yeah, he was there, and they let him walk. And then he signed a $120 million contract with somebody else. Kind of feels like they uh, should have found a way to keep him around. But Yeah, maybe so. Um, how, how about, I mean, how rare is it for an NFL player to finish his career and then make more money in his next career? Doesn't happen a whole lot. Some. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it happens more with NBA players than yeah. than, than, than that. Because I mean, Jordan's an owner now. Sure. I mean, uh, Roger Staubach has done amazing things in the commercial real estate space in Dallas. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars more post football career than he did playing in the NFL. Yeah. But Stetson I mean, Bennett Ford is, is going to be the highest grossing car dealership in the hey, state of Georgia when he hangs it up in a few it's years. Stetson Bennett Kia of Blackshear and Cartersville. Come on. He's going to make a killing there. The, the national championship of financing rates at Stetson, Ben, and Kia. <laughs> mm. You're going to have to stop that. Uh, all vehicle mentions on this show are brought to you by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Mr. Brian Haydad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi right here in the Pearl River, uh, River Resort Studios. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi.
Got a little basketball news out of both Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the last few days. Chris Yans doing work in the portal. I make you laugh every time. Chris Jans doing uh-huh. work in the portal at uh, at Mississippi State. Mr. Haydad, would you tell us about the newest additions? Um, Almost got a little nasal spray there. That was that, mm, that was not gross. prepared. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, on last week on fr- on Friday, State got a pickup from uh, from Jimmy Bell, a, uh, a center from West Virginia, uh, a guy who you know played in every game for West Virginia, which was a tournament team a season ago. The numbers aren't aren't that overly impressive. You know, about six points, five rebounds a game, but I find it impressive. At least for me, that this is a guy who started every game for West Virginia a season ago, and he'll come into Mississippi State to be the backup to Tolu Smith in all likelihood. Yeah. So that's a pretty good job of recruiting to me. You know, if you can get a guy who's, who was a starter and say, "Well, you know, we don't have a starting spot for you, uh, but we, we we got a role for you," that, that's that's pretty good for State. Um, and that's making the assumption that Tolu comes back, but I, I believe as we sit here today, that will be the case. But the big the big. Uh, piece was on Saturday night uh, when Andrew Taylor from Marshall, who's one of the top guys in the portal, if you, if you follow John Rothstein on Twitter, you should. Stay hungry, stay humble. Uh, he had a list uh, a mile long of teams that were interested in, in him. He averaged 25-5 and five, uh, from Marshall a season ago, another tournament team. Uh, and he's coming to Starville, 37% three-point shooter. That, that's the first. When he, when he committed, that was the first number I went to go look for. It was like, what did this guy shoot from three? And he obviously would have been far and away State's best three-point shooter a year ago had he been on the roster. He's the kind of guy that State absolutely needed to have in this in this portal class. Um, I think State's going to try to get one more guy. We'll see if, if that pans out or not. And then they're just waiting on Tolu Smith uh, in his decision. That'll be that'll that'll set two dominoes in place. Either Will McNair will go into the portal, or Will McNair will stay at Mississippi State and likely be the starting center next year. Hmm. And and you don't think there's any other way with the addition of the big man for West Virginia to have yeah with, with Bell coming in yeah yeah I don't I don't think that's going to be the case yeah they want another shooter out of the portal. Borky Oldness needed some bigs. They needed some guards. They they needed a lot in terms of rebuilding that roster in a hurry, and they have added not one but two seven footers. Yeah, so we talked about Jamarian Sharp earlier, the uh, the nation's leading shot blocker two years running, who was at Western Kentucky with Stansberry. Uh, despite what Memphis media tells you, by the way, uh, after he committed to Ole Miss and Memphis hired Stansberry, Memphis continued to recruit him. So I, I don't know why that they they are suggesting that they didn't, but they did. Anyway, they added another one, Musa Cisse, uh via Memphis. And Oklahoma State, another seven-footer, uh, has committed to Ole Miss. There's a question about whether or not he'll get a waiver to be able to play right away. He might be a guy that you won't see until 2024. Just depends on whether or not the NCAA is actually going to follow through with the cracking down on well, guys that uh, transfer uh, twice. There are people that don't get waivers? We're going to find well, out. When... Remember, it's... they issued that very fancy-looking press release a few weeks ago that said no more double transfers Thanks. without having to sit out. He's going to Ole Miss, not a traditional power. So, I have a question, real quick. What was his name again? Musa Cisse. Well, I have to ask. Any relation to Ansu Cisse? Spelled differently. Okay. My ears perked up. I was like, "There's another Cisse." That's the last thing anybody needs. But average two blocks, two blocks per game, eight boards. So, was an effective player, good defender. 
Um, I would love j- just when they run up against teams that shoot poorly. Let's pretend he gets his uh, his waiver and he can play. Uh, putting the two above seven footers on the floor at the same time against a team that can't shoot is just going to crack me up. Just hey, you stand on this block, you stand on this block, put your hands up, and and there's there's the defensive strategy for the night. Uh, it is a good pickup though. It shows you that the the guys they've already gotten and they're going to add maybe a couple more. Uh, the recruiting profile for Ole Miss basketball has elevated compared to the previous two coaches. It's they are in on higher profile guys than they were previously. Yeah, they just are. Yeah, and look, I mean, Ole Miss did some things with NIL dollars in terms of keeping its roster a year ago from the previous season, right? I mean, Matthew Morrell did a pretty good deal for him. And um, there are a couple of others as well. But I think this shows that that has gone up a little bit as well, right? And Chris Beard has, to everybody's account, has been very active in engaging with boosters and talking about, you know, buying tickets and also the collective needs your help. And... Uh, has has worked the fan base hard. Like, in a way that I, I've only lived here for 13 years, in a way that I haven't seen an Ole Miss coach work the fan base before when it comes to that, like, in-person, forward-facing kind of stuff. 5 o'clock hour, college football fix coming up next after the news from both Fox and Super Talk. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. This Tuesday afternoon, it is Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Go to their website. You can try out their golf shirts, the pullovers, quarter zips, the uh, the the clubhouse collection pants, which are fantastic. They feel almost like you're wearing nothing. And uh, yet you're actually wearing something, and so you don't get arrested. It's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's that's twice I've gotten Hey Dad to giggle today. Twice. I want to tell you something. As a guy yes. who has to do a lot of live ad reads, mm-hmm. your reads for Genteel are really good because they make me laugh. They they get me interested. I, I'm interested in the product. I want to know what it's like to walk around naked but not be naked. That sounds great to me. You know, that's kind of what it feels like when you're wearing uh, the pants that they've got at uh, at Genteel, the Clubhouse Collection. They are uh, they are, are good stuff. Hey, ten percent off an online order if you enter your email address. You can also get Genteel products at a number of men's clothing stores across the state of Mississippi, including Harry Mayer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, SF Aldman in Gulfport, Smith and Company in Greenwood. And Steve's on the square in Philadelphia. Online, genteelapparel.com. 
Let's jump into the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, if you haven't invested the 10 minutes necessary to read the story that Ross Dellinger wrote yesterday, it's worth your time. It, it, it really is a good read. There, there's a lot. And he kind of bounces back and forth, west coast, east coast, west coast. He uh, he lays out a pretty fascinating scenario from, I guess it was a week or two ago, in, where was it, Borky? Was it Phoenix? Phoenix. There were there were conference meetings that were happening in Phoenix, and down a long hallway, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, separately, individually, had meeting spaces rented, and all the athletics directors for the Pac Twelve were in their meeting space, and twenty feet across the hallway, all the athletics directors for the Big Twelve were there. Not to mention the conference brass and and all of those things. And they were both discussing their future. One of them seems a little more comfortable in their future. Brett Yormark has taken a very aggressive stance toward not just expansion, but toward everything he does. He took an aggressive stance with getting a TV deal done, and he got it done. He is aggressively pursuing four current Pac-12 schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Now, those four schools seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern, waiting to see what the Pac-12 television deal is going to look like. So that was what was going on on one side of the hallway. On the other side of the hallway, you had Pac-12 brass, athletics directors, school officials, conference officials, and their meetings probably had a little bit different tone. Self-preservation. How do we keep this thing together? When are we getting the TV deal done? And it feels like we're getting close to knowing something about the Pac-12. Because Ross Dellinger points out in his story that there's somewhat of a deadline. If San Diego State is going to participate in the Pac-12 starting in 2024... And San Diego State is the number one target for the Pac-12 right now. SMU is probably a secondary target. San Diego State's at the top of the list. Their $17 million exit fee from the Mountain West triples after July 1st for them to be able to leave and be eligible for the Pac-12 starting in 2024. And so with that date in mind, the expectation is in the next 30 to 45 days, we're going to have some news from the Pac-12. Does that mean they've got the TV deal in place? Ross writes that they would like to kind of announce everything at once. Tell me this, though. If you're Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado... Why do you want to stay put to have San Diego State and SMU join your league as opposed to going to the Big 12 where there is a much more stable television model in what is seemingly a more stable league? 
with better brands also. I mean, USC and UCLA are, are leaving the Pac-12, and, and you've got to wonder if you're Utah. Oregon's trying to get out, too. But then you can play, albeit not the biggest brands in the sport. Your road game, for example, to Fort Worth feels a little bit different than your road game to Palo Alto. Or oh, to, yeah, it's a better experience. Or, or to San Diego. Now, Palo Alto is a pretty cool part of the country that could not care less about college football. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is so fascinating because everybody's full of crap, right? I mean, you've got you've got ads that are. T- t- tell me more. Where are you going with this? Because everything you hear from when the presidents in the '80s are reached for comment, they they always oh I'm happy where I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not unless you're in the SEC or the Big Ten. You're yeah, not. and Ross reported that seven schools in the ACC have met multiple times, led up by Clemson and Florida State, looking to get out of the Grant Rights deal. And then David Hale's reporting from the ACC meetings, and one AD said that is not true. The seven schools have not met, and they're not trying to leave. I'm sorry. I believe Ross is reporting over the anonymous AD that you spoke to that's probably not in the Magnificent Seven. If Ross puts that in in a report, that means it, that's what's happening. And oh, by the way, we know publicly that Clemson and Florida State both have shared the we're not making enough money, our in-state rivals are making a lot more, here's why, to their pr- respective schools. We know that's happened already. But publicly it's, oh yeah, we're really happy where we are. We're just... Can't wait to continue another year of ACC football where we have a road game at Chestnut Hill and we'll play in front of 23,000 people where the parking lot is underneath the stadium. And just, you can't, you can't not enjoy that experience there. And then, oh, we get to go to Wallace Wade Stadium. Yeah, that'll be great. You see the renovations they did? I mean, there used to be a track around the there field. Used there used to be a track better. around the field. Yeah, so they, they, they can David walk Hale, you, you mentioned just a second <laughs> ago. Um, he is, I guess, independent at this point. He used to cover Tennessee. I think he was with the Athletic for a while, but apparently not anymore. Uh, he tweets, per one ACCAD, there is zero credence, I don't believe you, to the idea that seven or eight teams are looking to leave. Quote, everyone has reviewed the grant of rights, close quote. Point number two, very close on a revenue-sharing plan that would reward on-field success. Any plan would then go to presidents for approval, would not impact TV revenue, though. Okay, so then it won't be enough. And Clemson and Florida State are still going to be looking to get out, even if the grant of rights says that they can't. They're still going to try to find a way, because you can always find a way if you pay enough money to find a way. You can always find a way. Everybody's full of crap. It's not sustainable. If you're Clemson, if you're Florida State, and you look at South Carolina, I said this on a, uh, I was a guest on a radio show in South Carolina a few weeks ago, when, and they asked me about this because they think that I'm the foremost expert or something. But I said, if you're Clemson and you stay in the ACC over the next ten years, conservatively, like super conservatively, you're going to make a quarter of a billion dollars less than South Carolina. And that's being conservative. Yeah, starting in 2026, the number will be 
on average, about $30 million a year less. So over 10 years, you're talking about a third of a billion dollars less than your in-state rival. Would you put up with that? And ask the Mississippi State fan, if today, if today, right now, I said, you get to stay where you are like you claim you want to, but over the next 10 years, Ole Miss is going to make $300 million more than you. What would Zach Selman be doing right now? Figuring out a way. What would Dr. Keenum be doing right now? They wouldn't put up with that. You think Clemson's going to put up with that? Nope. Unless they have no choice. That's the only thing that would keep them there. But all this other stuff about happy and no. Mm -mm. Yeah. The only way is, is, is if there is no way. Let's spin this forward when we come back. See if we can actually engage Haydad on this this topic. Um, If we if we pretend that the ACC does break up, and there are options for adding either two or four teams to the SEC, which two or four would you pick? Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Keys to Greg Sankey's office. You get to sit behind his desk. You get the uh, parking spot and the the company car and the whole deal. And you have the power. You have the power to choose either the next two or the next four teams for the SEC. Presidents have already given you carte blanche. They have signed off on whatever you decide. Who are the either two or four teams from the ACC in a scenario where the ACC breaks up that you bring into the SEC? I'll let you think on that just for a second. First, I'll remind you about Cotton State's baseball entering its 15th year in New Albany. College players from Tennessee, Texas, and Florida for the Collegiate League, junior high and high school players as well. If you are a junior high or high school player in North Mississippi and you want to participate, go to cottonstatesleague.com. Get your application in by June 2nd. All games are played at B&A Bank Park in New Albany, centrally located to so many great players from the region, including prospects at all levels. Check the Cotton States League out on Facebook, Twitter, and their other social media platforms. Once again, cottonstatesleague.com if you've got... Any questions, you can reach out to them through their website at cottonstatesleague.com. All right. Two things first. We're, we're going to Texas Day Brazil for lunch and on the on the conference's dime. Uh, also, I will, while I'm in this office, find the files that implicate the SEC in a massive officiating conspiracy because there's no way they can be all that terrible on, on by accident. But that being said... To, to, to focus on the task at hand. Okay. I think the, the no-brainer choice is North Carolina because that is a market you don't currently have. You know, you, that's a big, growing market. You get a really good football team year in, year out. You get a really good basketball team year in, year out. 
You finally give Kentucky like a real standalone rival mm-hmm. in basketball. Um, and I just I think that's the best fit culturally in terms of, of the available schools. Maybe NC State's a little bit better, but they're not the brand that North Carolina is. You know, you're bringing in, I mean, you're just bringing in a ton of, 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 of awareness there. My second pick, I'm, I'm probably going to pick between the two traditional powers of the ACC and take either Florida State or Clemson. Um, I, I don't know that either one of those teams could be a year out, year in, year out national title contender the way they are in the ACC when you bring them to the SEC. But I think they have a great opportunity to do that. So you strengthen your, your football power there because when the 12 team playoff now, I mean, George, Alabama, Clemson, Florida State, LSU, I mean, you're going to, you're almost going to be a lock to get close to four every year. You're definitely getting three every year and you're probably going to get four. And, and those, those are probably the two I would get. They're, they're, I'm definitely going to get North Carolina, and then I could flip okay. a coin between Florida State and Clemson. So, first of all, I completely agree on North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I do think there is a scenario where North Carolina, if it had options, might choose the Big Ten over the SEC. I don't know that for a fact. We talked to a reporter that covered North Carolina last summer when we were kind of going through all this, and I think he told us that North Carolina fans, by and large, would prefer the SEC, but the um, the, the hoity-toity.edu people fancy themselves more a Big Ten elite than um, an SEC-type school. But I completely agree on North Carolina. I'm going to disagree on Clemson and or Florida State. There are a couple of reasons. One, if I'm sitting in Greg Sankey's chair, I've got two schools in my league that don't want those. Now, to a certain degree, I don't care. I don't care if Clemson and South Carolina are in the same state. I don't care if Florida and Florida State are in the same state per se. Alabama and Auburn have to deal with it. Ole Miss, Mississippi State have to deal with it. Tennessee, Vanderbilt kind of have to deal with it. Whatever. It's it's life in the big city. And you're about to deal to have with Texas, it. Texas A&M. Texas, Texas A&M, yes. Great, great point. So it's not that I care about that. But I don't think that does anything for me in terms of value add for growing the footprint and growing media markets. North Carolina does, because now I bring Charlotte into the mix. And Charlotte is growing at like the same rate that Austin, Texas is. It's like growing at the same rate that Nashville is. It's one of the exploding cities in the south. Raleigh, Greensboro, that whole area is big too. It's getting bigger. Yeah. Number two for me, though, is not Florida State or Clemson. It's Virginia. Because I now add another market, I add an elite brand, and I add an average athletics program that is good at times. And I think there's something to that. I don't know that every program in your league needs to be elite in football. You need some wins somewhere. And I think adding Virginia 
It's a nice ad. It's a good basketball program. Won a national championship in basketball. Won a couple of national championships, or maybe one national championship in baseball. They kind of go up and down in terms of football relevance. But they care. They care. Probably pull in some of the Washington, D.C. market. You pull in the Virginia yeah, market. i say D.C. probably get some of that. Yeah. Now, now here's where you're going to think I'm crazy. If I said I get to add four, I'm still not going to Clemson or Florida State. Ooh. I'm going North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and NC State. And I just sewed up those two markets. Yeah. There's no split I don't left. Mind. I've now got I mean, I get what. Charlotte and Raleigh. I mean, you talk, I said a second ago, Charlotte growing. Raleigh is exploding. That's a great city. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Silicon Valley of the East. Yeah, it, it really is. Virginia Tech. I mean, you yeah. want to talk about cultural fit for the SEC, passionate fan base. They are that. More are that. Washington, D.C. ties. You, you got it. Richard Richard just wants to get get that SEC uh, network assignment for Virginia Tech so he can see the inner Sandman live and in person. You know, it's funny you say that. I was sitting here in the break. I was thinking about this, and I thought, how cool would it be to go from Lane Stadium in Blackburg, Virginia? It's an SEC Saturday night. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dun, 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 I will say this, going back to one of your points, by the way. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear Scott Strickland at a press conference. You know, we wanted to be the lone brand in the state of Florida. <laughs> just, just, I, I think I would die if I could possibly get that. What if he did it just to troll? What if he did just to troll? Believe he might. It? He might yeah. do it. You know, yeah. we wanted to be unique. Uh, what do you think Greg Sankey's thinking right now? Because despite what the ACC he's is saying, it's good signs. to be right. king. But, but That's tr- what he's thinking. But Dollar truly, signs. Like, what do you think he's truly, aside from we're going to make more money, it's when when he reads these stories, and I assume Greg trusts the word of Ross over an AD talking about all as well also. So when he reads that article and thinks half of them are trying to get out, and then he sees that, the Pac-12 is looking to add San Diego State because that'll help, and the Big 12 is looking to poach, and Oregon's looking to. Uh, when he when he sits back and reads all this, what do you think he wants to do? Not what he thinks about it. What do you think he wants to do about it? I'll be honest. My first thought is he probably would like a year or two off from this. <laughs> he probably would just like to have a couple of years where he's like, you know what, this is the conference, and this is who we have, and we're making plenty of money, and everybody's happy. Let's, can I just have like two years of peace? But he's probably thinking what we're talking about right here is like, if we have to make moves, who are we going after? And what makes the most sense? Do we do the the traditional the Clemson Florida State would be the easy answer. They almost joined the conference in 1992, but do we go or do you we think do what Richard's talking about? Over that? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. They probably would have rather just had those two and God, who'd be oh, in the you, West? Do you I mean know, instead of Arkansas and South Carolina, or in addition to? Either or. I mean. Has South Carolina and Arkansas really brought that much to the table in the oh yeah they've been one years of absolutely absolutely I mean what one national t- or what three national titles between them in twenty some odd years two baseball I mean if you're just and, talking about football and, I mean if you're just talking about football and and baseball basketball yeah. baseball yeah 
Yeah. But, I mean, you got, what, a couple of women's national championships and, like, 30 track. Yeah, they got a lot of track. Country, yeah, national no, no championships. Question, but, uh, Arkansas feels but, uh, SEC. It, it, Arkansas They do, works. they do, but they do. And South Carolina does at this point, too, but... Definitely would have. If you could have gotten all four at that time, I think you de- they definitely would have taken them. Yeah. Okay, I, w- w- your bigger question, I, I don't know what Greg Sankey is thinking. I mean, I have to believe that he's kind of soaking it all in and just filing away information and knows that they will be ready to move if they need to move and that they are wanted. Like the SEC is wanted. It doesn't have to worry about well, can we get? It's like, yeah, yeah, you can get. Might not get North Carolina. They might want to go elsewhere, but we'll see. .fm. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app. Supertalk.fm. And always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. So your message is on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Florida State, Miami, Georgia Tech, Clemson. The suggestion for additions to the SEC. Bubba in Starkville says, no-brainer, FSU and Clemson. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and Duke should move to the SEC, and then we should move the SEC to pods. Then we would have the best rival in basketball and football. Um, Clemson, Florida State, NC State, North Carolina. How much love for the uh, for the Commonwealth of Virginia from oh. from from you folks? Because those well, would make the most attractive kind of what football you mashups. It's kind of what you said, though. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, you need wins, but when you when you're doing this everywhere, it's kind of like recruiting. Everybody's stargazing. Nobody wants to get that three star kid who you got to develop and you know turn into a star. Everybody wants the five star kid who's ready now. You know, well, you, you, but you do two things. Think, think about it. You take two potential powers in college football, and not only do you not add them to your league, you kind of castrate them. You, you, you kind of emasculate them. Because Florida State and Clemson aren't going to the Big Ten. No. I don't think. So maybe you remove a couple of threats. Or you remove the model completely. That, I played chess here, man. I like it, too, because uh, Clemson needs to be knocked down a couple pegs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we get to it. It's uh, It's petty. Yeah, Michael, this is business, not personal. So right? I, I brought it up yesterday, but but I wanted because maybe this is just how my mind works, and, and you guys think I'm crazy. But I asked the question: if I if you were Greg Sankey, or what do you think Greg Sankey is going to do about all this chaos? There, there's chaos in the ACC. There's infighting. There's teams trying to leave. They're not sure if they can. Money's coming short. All that. There's chaos in the Pac-12. Depending on who you believe, about half the league wants to leave. And if they don't, they should. 
The Big 12 is trying to poach a bunch of people. It's There's chaos everywhere. On top of the fact that we have heard from people over and over and over again that college football is going down a path that they don't like. That there's there's no guardrails. The players have all the power. You've got guys that are signing in January and leaving in April. It is a mess. It's hard to keep up with. And it's all ambiguous. And like I said yesterday, the, the people that run the two major collectives in this state, we know personally. And we know they do a good job. And they're doing good things. But by design, they don't tell you how much money they have. They don't tell you how much money's going to the players and what player. And if it's monthly installments, does it include vehicles and what the all of it is is completely hidden. So you're being told as a fan, give money to the collective, but we're not telling you what we do with it. That doesn't sit right with people. So if I were Greg Sankey sitting in my office right now, this would be the catalyst to blow it up. Because Congress clearly is not going to act, and wanting them to fix college football is such a stupid thing to expect them to do and do well. The head of the NCAA has not given you uh, much reason to think that they're going to figure it out. So blow it up and do it on your own. That's what I would do. If I were Greg Sankey, this would be the catalyst for we got to blow this up and do it on our own. Basketball makes money basically everywhere uh, in, in major college sports, but basketball can stay with the NCAA. The NCAA actually does the tournament well, and that is college basketball's thing. It's run well. People watch it. People like it. All good. You already have a model that keeps the FBS away from the NCAA's government uh, or governance on a champion anyway, right? Because the college football playoff is not the NCAA. So you've already got kind of a, an existing model there. But break football away. And what you have to do, and some people won't like this, you pay the players. And you pay the players a set amount that has a cap. And you have transfer requirements that are hard-lined and within specific boundaries where you take some of the power back because the players can do whatever they want right now. You take some of that back. You pay them a capped model. You invest in enforcement. And you set those rules on enforcement. And you save college football. You get the players what they want, which is money. But you protect everybody. You reduce the disparity between teams. You do a lot of things that the NFL does. And I know college football fans don't like the NFL, but guys, what the NFL does right is parity. And and how do they get parity right? Contracts, salary caps. That's how they get it right. Break away from the NCAA and set a compensation model and set transfer models and enforce them. Actually enforce them. And you save the sport. I'm just wondering if news of the demise of the sport is greatly exaggerated. I mean, it'll always be there. But there there are too many people that say they don't like where this is headed for me to ignore them anymore. I mean, these are the same people who said 
you know, nobody watches the NBA anymore, and it's the most watched playoffs we've ever had. It's the same people who say they don't watch the NFL anymore, and it's the most watched NFL we've ever had. Uh, th- those, I don't know that I buy that. say that for different reasons. Though. That's but, politically but, but, but but I get that, but people, but people like to say that, and then they watch the games Well, because they can't I'm, tear themselves away. I'm just wondering if sometimes a free market corrects itself. Because we're already seeing that to a degree in the NIL space. We brought that up this morning, Michael. Kids that are coming out of high school. And Borky, a, a year ago, what was it? it, it we had Jaden Rashada a year ago, and we saw how spectacularly that NIL deal blew up. We have Nico Ayamalieva at Tennessee, and we have no idea yet. No idea yet if that one's going to work. Maybe. He cannot play this year, and if Joe Milton plays well, Tennessee's going to be fine with it. Even the, the, the boosters that put the money up for him to get that massive NIL deal, they're going to be fine with it yeah. this year. But he better start and he better be good next year. And he better be a good soldier along the way. Good teammate ready to step in in a backup role if necessary, all of those things. If that one blows up, too, we may see more of this. Now, I I would be curious to know what the deal was for the, uh, the kid yesterday that committed to Georgia, who previously had been committed to Ohio State, the number one recruit in the class, the quarterback from, from Phoenix. What was his last Dylan name? Dylan Rayola. Rayola. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Ryola. His dad played at Nebraska and played yeah. a long time in the NFL. That was being recruited. So, so, again, had committed to Ohio State, backed out of that after three or four months, was being recruited by, what, Nebraska, Southern Cal, and Georgia? He didn't go anywhere for free. Now, maybe it's not the reported $7 million that Iama Lieva got last year at, at, at Tennessee. We'll see. But, Borky, you get what I'm saying there? I mean, we, I do. And, and year, I, we saw a market correction on the high school recruiting side. Is that going to happen in the transfer portal as well? You hope so, but... We haven't but, seen a market correction in coaches' salaries. Thought we might. No. Haven't seen it. No. Heck no. Uh, but this text right here, th- this is what I'm talking about. said, I'm 24 and I've lived and breathed everything Ole Miss football since I could walk. I don't even take a glimpse at the recruiting stuff in the offseason anymore. What's the point? I'll go to and watch every game, but the interest is waning. That's a problem for college football. It's not that, I mean, people on Saturdays are going to go put the game on TV because it's easy. You, you like football, football's on, I'll turn the football game on. My only big question about the, okay, if you go to a compensation model and you've got contracts and you've got rules in place and whatever else, are you still allowed to recruit the way you've always recruited? I'm... Uh, yeah, but, you but, can't force kids to, to go to a particular college, but you, yeah, but you I mean, would, if in theory, run more competently. You could enforce more competently as well. I mean, that would require a little bit of effort. Yeah. But, I mean, when, when you're signing television deals worth 10 figures collectively, you, you can pay for a competent enforcement staff to set rules and actually follow through with them and enforce them. 
But, man, I, I work in media, college football media. When a player commits to a school, I'm like, eh, whatever. I literally live this stuff. And when a recruit picks a school... Literally. Literally. And when a recruit picks a school, it's, eh, whatever. We'll see if he actually wears the uniform at some point. That's not good. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. Always glad to have you along for the ride. Thanks for all of your messages today on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Whatever it is that you need, whether it's wireless, new phone, new plan, company you can rely on based here in Mississippi, maybe it's fiber to the home. Fastest internet you can get into your house, a direct fiber line with gigabit fiber internet. Or maybe it's IT business solutions, uh, and there are a lot of those that are available. Seaspire can help. Visit them online at cspire.com to learn more. Um, Jimbo says he's not been to an on-campus game in Oxford. He's an Ole Miss fan since NIL started. He said, likely not renewing season tickets. I hate to say it. I liked it better when the team's cheated. What what team was he a fan of? I think he was talking big picture across all all. Teams. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was just saying he's a state fan that hasn't been to a game in Oxford since uh, NIL started. <laughs> That was high quality right there, friend. Mm. Uh. (laughs) There's something to that, though. What What I think think should happen will probably never happen, but I'm telling you that that nothing has really changed in terms of the pecking order in the SEC. Nothing. Nothing has changed. The same teams are good, the same teams are bad, the same teams are in the middle. But if they were to break away and set their own compensation model, it would make it fairer. It would, in theory. you got to play it out and you got to enforce things correctly, but it would make it fairer. That's the thing, man. The Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. If the Buffalo Bills were in college football. uh, Right. But they also have a salary cap. They also you can't just go buy all the players that are out in free agency because you can only pay a certain amount. Yeah, but but you're able to build a, a staff of smart people with a draft strategy, and then use the draft and use free agency. So, so free you, agency. you have yeah, you you have the ability to use free agency and the draft to build your roster. The draft is seven players. You have a roster of fifty three. How do you get the other ones? NFL rosters are filled with UDFA's and free agents. The draft is not the only way you build an NFL roster. Yes, but the elite players in the NFL were drafted. 
And if you want to win in college football, you got to have yeah. the elite so players. So there will always be a disparity, but you can shrink it. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't try to add competitive balance. Oh, well, can't draft, so just don't do anything at all. That's not a good way to be. You've got to find... I mean, because in free agency... Free agency is unfair because the more... Yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting not trying. I'm just saying the whole idea of breakaway, have a professional model, but without maybe the single most important roster building tool that is part of the professional model, that's a that's a pretty big piece that you're taking out of the puzzle. Okay. But it doesn't mean you still don't put a puzzle together. If you're missing one piece of a puzzle, you still got a bunch of pieces. And right now, right now, Ole Miss and Mississippi State could never, ever, ever compete financially with Texas A&M and Alabama and Georgia. Ever. Could never do it. Could never, ever, ever do it. It will never happen, ever. Financially competitive, ever. Don't you want to shrink that gap a little bit? Don't you want to try to... Instead of it being like this, make it like this. Don't you want to try to introduce parity to a sport that is so desperate for it? Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I also... I don't think that I think college football is as broken as you think it is. Well, I'm with the, Richard. The same six teams win the championship every year. It's the same. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are never winning a national championship as college football is currently constructed. Ever. I, never. See, I, never. I, never. Why haven't they? Well, oh, I mean, okay. I'm glad that you think that that's the case. I don't know that I necessarily agree that that's the case, especially as we transition to the 12-team model. So you think Ole Miss will be able to field a roster that can beat Georgia? The 2015 Ole Miss team could have won a national championship they didn't. if they had gotten into the playoff. They didn't, they but if they had gotten into a 12-team playoff, they could have. Deal. A 12-team playoff, they could have gotten in. They could have They could have made a run, I yeah. think. I don't know about State in 14 or not. I would have said yes before they played Alabama and Ole Miss, but they would have been in. Ole Miss won their they would first have had a chance. 10 regular season games ever I, I, last I get season. that, but... There's I, a I reason. Just, they had that was a good team. That was a good team. Yeah. Good conversation. Thanks for being with us today. Sports Talk Mississippi, Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's re-rack it and do it again tomorrow, starting at 306. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.